preached to the men, and so today we're going to teach to the ladies. Amen? And so uh, try not to get real, real preachy with it. But uh, let me just say this about, uh, about what we're going to cover here. Um, I would really encourage you uh, to take the two sermons and either pull them off the Internet, uh, which you can do, or to buy them and give them to anyone you know who's struggling with their marriage. Um, or give them as a wedding gift to someone who's getting ready to get married. I'm not, giving, getting, I'm not getting up here and giving my opinion for the most part. What I'm doing is I'm teaching the timeless truths of the Bible. And God's way to do marriage is the best way. It just is. It just is. Now, it uh, flies in the face of what society tells us, doesn't it? But um, I've made this comment many times before, and I'll make it many more times uh, in the years to come. But find me a couple that's doing it God's way that's miserable and bring them to me. You can't find one. Um, If you do it God's way, you will be happy. And so if something I say tonight lines up with Scripture but doesn't line up with your heart, then it is your heart that needs to change, not the message or the Word of God. So... Keep that in mind as we cover this tonight. Uh, I know that uh, you've done more sitting than standing tonight. You're going to be sitting for the next little bit. So let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Get our legs stretched one more time. We're going to look from verse 22. We're going to read on down uh, through the end of the chapter here. The Bible says, beginning in verse 22, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. So ought men to love their wives, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, my, my mistake there, verse 29, for no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a mother, or a man, leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you, in particular, so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Tonight we'll look at this topic, the wife's role in a joyous marriage. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for a chance to look in your word, and Lord, to understand some things that just society has got all turned around and confused. And Lord, I pray that tonight we would take these things and we would examine our hearts. Lord, I pray that for those here that aren't married... Uh, Lord, uh, for one reason or another, maybe they will be one day, or uh, Lord, maybe they just need to help teach the next generation. Lord, I pray that we would all listen intently. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. First of all, guys, let me say this. If you were not here last week, um, before you start ribbing your wife real hard, go back and listen to last week's sermon, because there are some things that you could definitely work on. There are things we all can work on. Uh, The key to a mature attitude in marriage is to not focus on where your spouse needs to change, but rather to focus in on where 
you need to change. And so if you're sitting there thinking, I sure hope my wife is getting this tonight, then you, my friend, you have some growing up to do. You have some maturing to do. So please, please, please don't do that. Please don't do that. Secondly, I would say this, that uh, tonight if, um, if you're here and uh, you're not married, uh, maybe you've been, been married and you're now divorced, or maybe you're single and you may be getting married in the future, or maybe you're just widowed, uh, listen, uh, you have uh, no doubt children and grandchildren or young ladies in this church who are looking up to you, and you need to know how to do marriage the right way. And so that you can teach them God's way. And so there is something in this for everyone. If you're a dad here tonight and you have a daughter that is single, please listen intently because you can take some of these truths and you can help teach them to your daughters and so they can know what to do. The devil has worked very hard to use pop culture to hurt and destroy God's plan for marital fulfillment and completeness. He has done everything he can to brainwash America's women to believe that they are not in ever not ever in any way to submit to their husbands. He has treated that as though it is a curse word in our society. This idea that a wife is to submit to her husband is now labeled as chauvinistic, it's labeled as sexist, And it's labeled as weird, fuddy-duddy, and uh, old-fashioned. But I'm here to tell you today that if God has said it, then it is timeless. We're going to look at uh, the thoughts here in the the, uh, passage today. But let me just say this. Keep an open mind as we go over this. And try not to bristle too hard at what's preached. Let's look at these three thoughts about submission Uh, out of Ephesians 5 and a couple of other places in Scripture. First notice, number one, if you're taking notes there on the back of the prayer bulletin, the definition, the definition of submission. Look back with me at verse number 22 of Ephesians chapter 5. The Bible says there, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of of the body, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. These verses imply, or these verses directly teach, rather, that the wife is to submit to her husband on the same level that she is to submit to God. Now, ladies, let me just tell you something. You are not married to God. How many of you, that has become very evident over the years? That'd be all of us, right? My wife's got both hands up, amen? Uh, But um, uh, your husband is not God. He's not as perfect as God. Uh, He falls short every single day. And as a husband, I can tell you that that is the case with me. I fall short in some way uh, every single day or almost every single day. But that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter to the degree that you are to be in submission to a perfect God to that same degree you are to be in submission to your husband. Now, you might ask, well, what does submission mean? Well, Paul Chapel, who pastors a very, very large independent Baptist church out in California, he defined it this way. He said, submission means to put down your hands and quit fighting. To put down your hands and quit fighting. Uh, you are to be the completer of your husband and not the competer with your husband. You are to complete him, not 
compete with him. Don't let a leftist agenda, a socialistic agenda, a God-defying agenda dictate the terms to you that you are to somehow compete with him to be the breadwinner and the decision maker in your marriage. I said a few weeks ago in a sermon I preached on a Sunday night that, uh, and I was preaching this to the men, that men, it's a good idea to, uh, to let your wife make some of the smaller decisions and, uh, and then you, she'll let you make the big decisions. And Brother Verone came up to me afterwards and he said that he'd heard a preacher preach at one time and they, the preacher was asked after 35 years of marriage how that was going and the, uh, the uh, preacher said, well, it's going pretty well. We've yet to make a big decision uh, in our 35 years. And... Uh, but, uh, no, and that's meant to be funny, but ladies, uh, uh, while your husband might give you some jurisdiction, uh, to make decisions and some, he, if he's wise, he will give you the liberty to make some decisions. If at any point he wants to step in and say, let's do it this way, you need to get behind him and say, okay, let's do it that way. As long as that doesn't defy God. I, uh, can think in my own home, in my own marriage, that, uh, I've given Angela total jurisdiction of the decorating of the house. Now, as long as she's not hanging pictures of Rolling Stones on the wall, she has my permission to decorate the house. And so she says to me, hang this there. And I say, yes, ma'am. And I hang it there and I do my best to hang it there. Sometimes uh, several anchors and screws later and a lot of frustration, we get it up there. But the, the, the decorating of the house, I've given her that area. But the truth is, is that if I say to Angela, I don't want that there. I would rather have it over there. Uh, she may not like it at first, but she always comes around and she's always uh, willing to uh, be, be uh, with me on that level. Notice letter A. Physical submission. Physical submission. Look at the last three words of verse 24. It says there, in everything. In everything. Turn over to, with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 4. The Bible says this. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise also, the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Now, the Bible here is talking about a very delicate and tender subject. And I will be careful with what I say here, considering some of our audience. But let me just say this, ladies, that... uh, First, let me say this to the men. Uh, In most marriage, when it comes to romance... The best way to handle this is, guys, you need to learn to tap the brakes a little bit. And ladies, you need to find the accelerator a little bit. That's the most careful and polite way I can put it. Um, And you want to make sure, ladies, that you are taking care of your husband's needs. It ought not be that your husband has to run to out or feel tempted to run to outside sources to have those uh, those marital needs met, but rather that you do such a good job taking care of him that he never even has really much of a desire to look elsewhere. Uh, one lady told a, a group of ladies that, uh, uh, that uh, she was teaching that uh, when her husband leaves for work, she wants to know that her husband's needs have all been met so that there is no worry in her heart about what he's going to do, what he's going to do. And so, physical submission. Now, if uh, you feel as though, ladies, that your husband is taking advantage of you in that area in your submissive spirit, then I would, I would strongly encourage you to sit him down and 
talk to him about that and try to get him to be sensible. And if that doesn't work, then come and sit with my wife and I in my office and let's talk about it together. But uh, but as a general rule, the Bible teaches that you need to be submissive to your husband, including in this area. You are the steward of his body and he is the steward of your body. Okay, letter B, uh, philosophical submission, philosophical submission. It is important that a husband and wife have long, long, deep talks about the goals they have in their marriage, about the goals for their children's adulthood, guidelines in child rearing, guidelines in house cleanliness, uh, guidelines in money management, guidelines in family communication. And uh, ma'am, your job in the marriage is to uh, state how your feelings there in a careful tone in a uh, uh, concise tone, uh, husbands, you would be wise to give your wife your ear and let her be your uh, top uh, uh, counsel uh, that you are considering her feelings and her thoughts and her opinions and to take those in consideration uh, and so and that you come to some agreements together in those areas. But if there is a, a, a philosophical disagreement in an area uh, by the biblical definition of marriage, ladies, you have to come around and say, I will do it my husband's way. Let me give you this as an example. Let's say your husband lays down a rule with the children that you think is just flat silly. He goes to work. And the children go against what your husband said. Now, the temptation might be to think, that's a dumb rule. That's just dumb. You know what? I'm not punishing them over that. The wise thing to do is to stand behind your husband's rule. Here's the truth. Children are master manipulators. Master manipulators. You know what they want you to do? They want to pit you against your spouse. The older they get, the better they get at this. However, I've seen some little kids that are pretty good at it too. They want it to be you, you mom, wife, and them against dad. Never, never, never let that happen. Never. Now, your husband might come down way too hard on the children, in your opinion. But you must wait until you are behind closed doors where that child can't hear a word that's said before you express your feelings. You must wait. There have been times where I have needed to go in the room and I have needed to, uh, to apply the Board of Education to the seat of learning. And my wife's emotions have gotten between me and what I needed to do. And she has had to just go outside and take a walk. Because she knew she had to let me be the leader of the home. Ladies, that's a wise way to handle it. And sir, I would say the same thing to you. There are times where your wife is just going to lose it with the kids. You just have to wait let her, let her explode and blow up and all that. Tuck the kids in bed, wait for the emotions to die down, and then talk to her about it then in a careful, respectful tone. But philosophical submission. i tell you a big mistake a lot of couples make, and I know I've got uh, somewhat of a, of a more seasoned crowd here tonight, but again, some of these things need to be taught to your children and, 
and grandchildren. And so I'm going to throw it out there because I know that maybe some of you made these mistakes along the way. And so maybe you've learned the hard way, but maybe just some of this never dawned on you. And then there's the crowd that will listen to this on the Internet or via CD, and they're young and they need to hear it. And so um, I'll go ahead and uh, insert this here. But there are a lot of people who think that uh, in their marriage where they're having problems, that if they have a baby, that will fix the problem. And I'm here to tell you is that having a baby complicates the problem. It complicates the problem. Long before you ever get pregnant in that, in that wedding, in that marriage, you need to have already talked out the guidelines of how you will discipline those children. One, how you will raise those children. Two, what, uh, what uh, agenda you're going to have as far as priorities in their life. Three, uh, uh, what role church and God will play in your home and in their life. And there needs to be a laid out plan that's been talked about and discussed. Here's the truth. Uh, Ma'am, you were raised in one home. And sir, you were raised in a different home. And so you were disciplined one way and she was probably uh, disciplined the other way. So when you enter into that marriage, there is a conflict and opinion on how to discipline children. And the two of you have to come together on that. And ma'am, after you express how you feel, whatever your husband says goes. It goes. And so philosophical submission. Number two, notice this, the degradation of submission. And when I say the degradation of submission, what I mean is how the devil has washed that word away or has uh, made that word a bad word. We stated in the introduction that the devil has taken the word submission and has turned it into a dirty word, especially in the realm of marriage. The devil has worked hard to feed, I believe, three lies about submission to all married women in the world. Here are the lies. Letter A. They are submission. Lie number one. Submission is a loss of privileges. Submission is a loss of privileges. Many women have swallowed this lie that by being the follower in their marriage, that they have in some ways uh, taken away some of the privileges of their womanhood. That somehow by coming under and being submissive, you are less of a woman for it. The devil wants you to believe that uh, when a pastor gets up and says, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, Wives, submit yourselves therefore unto your husbands as unto the Lord, that somehow uh, God is expecting you to be inferior to your husband. Let me ask you this question. How many of you have a boss at work? Would you raise your hand? Do you consider yourself less of a person than your boss? Are you to submit to your boss at work? So why does it work at work, but it doesn't work at home? What would happen at your job if everybody assumed that they were to compete with the boss in running the place? What would happen? It wouldn't work, would it? You need order in the company. Everybody expects that. If I show up at work tomorrow and Pastor Dave comes to me and says, Pastor, I think we need to do this. And I say, Pastor Dave, I don't think we need to do that. He says, but I think we need to do it. I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm going to say, Pastor Dave, take a seat. Well, Pastor, you don't get it. This is what we need to do to move the church forward. Pastor Dave, that is not what we're going to do. Well, I'm going to go do it anyway. 
I'd have a problem with man. So I'm thankful that both the assistant pastors we have are very, uh, very good men. I don't have those issues with them. Why do we think for some reason in the marriage it's different? You see, last week we talked about the husband leading the wife, and we gave some very detail-oriented things that, uh, that would structure a loving leadership in the home that only works if the wife is willing to come under and follow that leadership. Submission is not a loss of privileges. Letter B, submission is a loss of power. Lie number two, submission is a loss of power. Many women fall into yet another one of the devil's well-told lies. If I submit, then I am admitting weakness or inferiority to my spouse. This just isn't true. You are not inferior to your husband, and you in no way are limited there as a woman in your power if you come under and you submit. In a minute, we're going to look at how rather the opposite is true. Letter C, notice this, lie number three. Submission limits my potential. Limits my potential. Let me, uh, let me insert some things here that uh, I want to be very clear on. I'm not one of these people that say that women should never work. I believe that there is a place for the woman in the workplace. Okay? Uh, here are some of the boundaries I've put around Angela, and she's agreed to. Some of the boundaries we have set up together for her. Uh, principle number one in that is that the children come first. No questions asked. There... Okay, to the people who would argue with that, let me just ask a question. What paycheck that you pull down at work is more valuable than the morals and values of your children? What square footage of a house is more important than who is raising your children? I can't think of a price. If there was a company that came along and offered Angela $3 million a year, $4 $4 million a year. Oh, we would love the money. But there are all kinds of people who are rich in the bank, and they are poor in their family morals. You give me a family with morals over any dollar amount in the bank. So the first principle is that the children come first. I told Angela this, and Angela's in full agreement with it. At least she tells me she is, so I'm assuming that's the case. She needs to be there when the kids leave for school in the morning. She needs to be there when the kids get home at night. And I'm just sharing with you what we do. I understand that there's different uh, working parts in your home, and maybe that's not possible at the time. You're locked into things, and that's, there's no wiggle room for that. I would just say this. Wiggle until you get there. Work hard to get there, and then when you get there, do that. I understand your financial situation at the time may not allow that, but I remember as a uh, Spanish pastor, I was living in a four-bedroom parsonage, and I got up in Spanish church, and I told the people, I said, I would rather live in a cardboard box and have my wife instill morals and character into my children than to live in a palace and have a daycare raising my children. Just a short time later, I was let go from that church, and my wife said to me, she said, do you want me to go to work to help you to cover the bills. And I said, no. I said, I would rather you invest our morals and values in our children. So we lived in a 700-square-foot apartment in Terryville, Connecticut, and I worked the job rolling tires off the end of the truck here in Stratford, and we made ends meet, but barely. But you know what? She invested into our children. 
And to me, that is, that is important. So this idea that if I submit to my husband, it will limit my potential. Well, in what way? In what way? Oh, you may not be able to go to work and earn that paycheck if that's not what your husband wants you to do. But investing in your children, ladies, is the most important job in the world. Number three, the delight that accompanies submission. The delight that accompanies submission. Contrary to what is commonly believed anymore, God's way in marriage is still the best way. Let's look at three positive things that accompany submission. Notice letter A, eloquence. Turn over with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to look at a really um, powerful passage here. And ladies, I'm going to show you what you get out of being submissive if you're uh, if your husband is doing his job and you're doing your job, look at verse number one there. It says this, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. Then if any obey not the word, they also may, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fears, whose, uh, f- with fear, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God uh, of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Let's look at uh, look at the Bible here and, and, and focus in here on some of these verses. Um, the Bible talks about it being a woman who is of a meek and quiet spirit. It talks about in verse four the hidden man of the heart. Now, verse three, our uh, charismatic. Pentecostal friends uh, like to use th- that verse to say that ladies are not to do their hair or to put on makeup. Uh, uh, and to that I would say, well, is it uh, appropriate for you to put on clothes? Notice there the verse, verse 3, Whose adorning let it not be the outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. If it's wrong to put on gold, it's wrong the uh, plating of the hair, then it's also wrong to put on clothes. That's not what that verse is teaching, okay? What, the, what is that verse teaching there? It's saying that it's okay to do your hair. It's okay to put on jewelry. It's okay to wear makeup. It's okay to get dressed up and pretty. But don't spend more time doing your hair than you do walking with God. That's what that's teaching. Ladies, is your heart prepared to be in subjection to your husband and subjection to the Lord? Is, uh, if your husband were to be injected with truth serum, and he were to write out how he really feels about you, would he say that you are of a meek and quiet spirit? A meek and quiet spirit. And I've talked about meekness and what that means, and what a powerful thought of meekness. But the truth is, man, that when you are loud, boisterous, and nagging, you don't appear beautiful to your husband. It doesn't matter how much makeup you have on. It doesn't matter how pretty your outfit is. It doesn't matter uh, uh, how expensive your clothes are. You just don't look pretty when you're nagging and you're screaming and you're yelling at your husband. However, when your heart is adorned and your spirit is right, you look beautiful to your husband. 
You look beautiful. It adds that eloquence. It is that secret that secret sauce, if you will. That idea that when you, you want to just have your husband head over hills for you again, that adorning of the heart. Notice letter B, empowerment. Empowerment. Look at verse 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may, uh, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives. Okay, think of it this way. Think of a man who is drunk, He's hard, he's hateful, he's mean, he's nasty, okay? And over here you've got this sweet little wife who is saved, and she loves the Lord. And the husband does not want to leave his wife. He's dedicated to the wedding vows. He's not running around on her, but he's just not spiritually minded. The Bible says here that a woman who walks with a meek and quiet spirit has so much power over her husband that that testimony may possibly see him get saved. Now, I have seen this happen. Many of you know Miss Jeannie Wolf. She's my secretary. Miss Jeannie Wolf uh, married a man who was a drunk. And although I never met him, uh, that man uh, uh, was very rude to Pastor Brown the first time Pastor Brown met him. But Miss Jeannie went home and uh, she started doing exactly what as Pastor Brown had instructed her to do. She went home on a uh, uh, Sunday, and, or rather after a Sunday service, and uh, she said to her husband, she said, you don't want me to go to church? Then I won't go to church, but we're going to have church here at home. And she sat her kids around that table, and she began to uh, have a Bible study there with them on a Sunday morning. And he looked at her and said, why are you doing this? And he lo- she looked at him and she said, uh, you don't want me to go to church, and I need to be submissive to you, so I'm not going to go, but we're going to have church right here uh, at the house. And he said, who told you that? And she said, Pastor Brown told me that. And that man came to church and said this to Pastor Brown. He said, I thought this church was a cult. But when I saw, when I saw that you were teaching the ladies to follow the leadership of their husband, I had to figure out what all this is about. That man got saved. That man got right with God. He gave up alcohol and he was a faithful member. Many of you know him or knew him when he was here. Faithful member. Why? Because Miss Jeannie's testimony was able to see him saved. Now, here's the greater point I'm trying to make. Ladies, when you lay the nagging to the side, you lay the bad spirit to the side, and you come with a submissive heart, you know what your husband wants to do? He wants to give you the planet. He wants to give you whatever you want. You know, I think through times, and I haven't been a perfect husband, uh, Angela's been a much better wife than I have been a husband through the years. But I think through the few times when she's maybe had a bad day and she's not been the nicest to me, I've not really wanted to do a whole lot for her in my flesh. But I think back to the days, which would be the large majority of them, where she's been sweet and loving and kind and giving. You know what I want to do? I want to fly her to the moon and back. She comes to me and says, I really, really, really want this dress. Or, I really, really, really want this purse, which she hardly ever asks me for. In fact, I have to push her to buy things usually. Because she's so uh, uh, frugal and nifty. And she told me tonight before I preached, she said, please don't use me. I'm sorry, I, I just can't help it. I'm preaching about marriage, I'm married, i got to use my own marriage, amen? And so, um, uh, but, uh, but she'll be sweet about it later. If not, I'll tell you on Sunday. No, I wouldn't. I would never do that. I would never do that. But 
you know what? The, tr- the point here is that uh, uh, when there is that submissive spirit, she empowers, there is a power she holds o- over me. Ladies, here's the truth. You can get us to do whatever you want us to do. That manipulation your children have learned, they got it from you. If you're sweet and you're kind and you're submissive and your husband is walking with the Lord, he'll probably give you whatever he can. And what he can't, he'll work his fingers to the bone to do for you. But when you're nagging and you're mean and you're ugly, well, that's when a man generally closes up. Let her see. Let her see. Notice enrichment. Back in our text in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 33, the Bible says, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. All right, let me ask you a question tonight. How many of you men here would say this? You'd say, in a marriage, what I really want is to know that my wife respects me for who I am. How many men here today would say that's very important to you? All right, my hand's up. Okay. How many ladies would say that in a marriage those of you that are married, what you want to know in your marriage more than anything else is that your husband genuinely and deeply loves you. Would you raise your hand? Do you know why? Because God made us that way. I don't want to know that Angela loves me. I want to know that she respects me. When I know that Angela respects me and reverences me, that's like dumping... Fuel on my fire to love her back. And here's how that works with Angela. When I'm loving her to her fullest, that fuels her fire to want to reverence and respect me. It's a cycle. It's a circle. Your love, sir, to her causes her to reverence you. Your, uh, uh, your, uh, uh, that reverence that you get causes you to want to love her. Now, Here's what happens when a marriage goes south. One of the two parties stops doing their job. If you will, they step on the lifeline and they cut off the oxygen, whether that's love or respect. And the other one says this, they say, well, if you're not going to love me, I'm not going to respect you. And the other one says, well, I wasn't meaning it that way, but if you're not going to respect me, I'm not going to love you. And then it goes from this love, respect, love, respect, love, respect, to this hate, 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 hate. And I've seen people who madly love each other at one time, absolutely at each other's throats, because the love and respect weren't there. Pastor, what's the solution? Well, uh, amen to you tonight, I'd say this. If you're not getting the respect you want from your wife, then you need to get better at loving her. You need to get better at loving her. You need to quit sitting there, unless she doesn't respect me. Just turn and say, she's not being real nice, but it's probably because I haven't been loving her like I'm supposed to. And ladies, if you're sitting there going, man, he's so selfish. He, He just thinks of himself all the time. He never thinks about me and the family. When he gets home, just pour the respect all over him. And don't be, uh, don't be a liar about it. Dig deep and find something to respect him over. You know what that's going to do? That's going to fuel his fire to want to love you. 
And it may not be an instantaneous thing. But get that going back again. Let's have marriages that please the Lord. For a society to fall, for a society to fall, the family unit must first fall. You know why we have a problem with leadership in this country? Because leadership on the most basic levels at home have been broken down. Satan knows that if he wants to tear down a godly nation, he must tear down the home. That's why our cartoons attack fatherhood, or it's non-existent. That's why our society and our public education system has attacked uh, uh, through uh, textbooks the, the idea of a traditional family home. Why do Baptist church are going to have a strong church? We need to have strong homes. So let's do it God's way. Let's have every head bowed tonight and every eye closed. Lord, I pray.